Welcome to the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update, where I look at the week's financial news that can be a bit confusing, misleading, and take you off course and help to make it actionable, understandable, and clear. What a week, what a show. Wow. We're going to look at an article that a couple folks pushed to me. It's always helpful. always helps me know what you guys think is interesting or what you think I would be interested in. Wall Street Journal. You might be paying too much for that index fund. All right. Then our friends at Goldman Sachs. Hopefully they listen to the podcast. Uh, article that says, Goldman's pitch to rich clients. Hey, buy a piece of this sports team. So we're going to look at what actually happens when folks are offered these unique assets. And then if you were listening to the financial news at all this week, Doubtless, you heard it said the Federal Reserve moves to markets. So there's an article that says higher interest rates, not just for longer, but maybe forever. Whew. That's a headline by Mr. Greg Ip, another um, Wall Street journaler. But let's start here at the top. You might be paying too much for that index fund. Did, did you know there was such a thing as overpaying for an index fund? There certainly is. So I want to start out by saying it's never been a better time to be an investor than, than in the history of humanity. That's right. For many of you that watch the news closely, you might say this is these are the worst of times. But you hear it. From the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update, these are the best of times in certain respects. There has never been a better time to invest. In my short investing career that started in the late 90s, we accelerate about 25 years from then, and it's breathtaking. The optionality, the reduction in expenses that's occurred, the platforms and how robust they are, all of this requires wisdom. But... This particular article by Mr. Jack Pitcher says you might be paying too much for the next fund pushed towards zero-cost ETFs near the finish line. So it highlights State Street, which is a uh, ETF issuer. Last month slashed the fee on its cheapest S&P 500 exchange-traded fund ETF. ETFs, as a reminder, are units, investment units that are very similar to a mutual fund, and yet they trade like a stock. So at any moment in time, they're trading slightly above or slightly below their intrinsic value, but they're a really low-cost way to buy and sell securities, and I like them. So there, that ticker SPLG is 0.02%, making it less than a quarter of the cost of its actually most popular. It has another fund, SPY, you may have heard of it. Um, and so that's pretty cheap, 0.02%. Now what I find interesting and something that consumers need to be mindful of is some of these investment houses know they've kind of got their previous customers stuck. So why is it that the same, very same company has a product that's point, that's probably 0.09%, 0.10% SPY, and the very same entity at 0.02%, what is going on? Well, the article explains SPY is huge, billions and billions, 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 billions of dollars, and some investors need that liquidity. So if you wanted to put a billion dollars to work in a day, you're going to be better off SPY. Well, they're going to charge you more. Well, this can happen in that sometimes we can buy an ETF, an index ETF, 
And over time, it fails to maintain its cost leadership. We may have bought it cheap at the beginning. It doesn't have it cheap now. My overall feeling here is that there is a such thing as cheap enough. So uh, to give you a little bit of a hit on what the differences can mean. So uh, there's a huge difference. The article explains fees make a huge difference over a long time horizon. A million dollar account invested for 40 years would save, get this, $370,000 in fees at a 0.05% fee versus a 1% fee. That's according to State Street. So that's the big driver. And that's why I'm saying today is the best time to invest rather than 20 years ago because that 1% fee was pretty much, I mean, that was, that was like, for a lot of investors, that was cheap for what it was going on 20, 25 years ago. Now there's a little more transparency in pricing. Clients are a little more aware. This article also explains, yeah, I love this. It talked about how financial advisors, the article reads, the financial advisors are moving largely from commission-based model to fiduciary fee-based model. That has helped drive quick adoption of the lowest fee funds. Advisors are motivated to put their clients in the cheapest funds possible. I'd add my own addendum, sometimes. But in general, yes, this has been an all-to-the-good dynamic, and it's a great time to invest. Now, the Robert Hunt Financial market update difference. Did you know, class, that there are some exchange-traded funds that are actually free? There are mutual funds that are free. They will tell you they're 0.00%. Fidelity's got two of them. These funds are like the free buffet at the casino. So long as you just eat the buffet, you don't play the casino, you're going to be fine. What Fidelity's doing and anyone else doing, you know the old adage, nothing in life is free. So what's the game? Well, let's say you purchase these securities through Fidelity's system. They then are all more than happy to cross-sell you other products. So whenever someone comes at you with a free product, you need to be wise as a serpent, innocent as a dove, and be willing to fend off the sales pitches, which are sure to come. So, uh, but I'd also want to add, this is another Robert Hunt financial market update difference. There are negative expense ratios. Now, the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission, does not allow funds to advertise at negative expense ratios, but my listeners can handle the truth. As Jack Nicholson said, you can't handle the truth. My adage is you can handle the truth. And that truth is that some Vanguard exchange traded funds will engage in something called securities lending. Now, that sounds scary and almost unprofessional, but what they're allowing is the marketplace in a very secured manner to borrow some of their stocks and return them. And all, oh, by the way, post collateral, fully collateralized. So there's really no risk counterparty risk, but hardly any, to these Vanguard securities lending, and yet Vanguard remits those earnings back to the fund because it's owned by the funds. It doesn't have shareholders. So when you read a uh, kind of year-end synopsis of how some of these exchange-traded funds at Vanguard did, you'll, you'll realize, oh, wow, this is a negative expense ratio. So that's another reason why I say it's never been a better time to invest than today. Uh, but good is good enough. I, I, I want people to just, hey, if it's 0.05% and you want to try to get something that's 0.02%, that's fine. You really aren't moving the needle that much. I, I like firms that have displayed cost leadership over a long period of time. For me, that's Vanguard. There are many others. I think 
Charles Schwab's doing a lot of good things. Fidelity has some good things. But you want a group that you can invest in and 50 years from now wake up and say, oh, uh, my fees are still the same because there's no rule that says they can't crank them up higher other than market forces. So thank you, John Bogle, for those market forces. Up next, Goldman's pitch to rich clients. Hey, buy a piece of the sports team by Anna Maria Androitis. The article begins, Goldman Sachs is preparing to offer wealthy clients more access to a unique investment, the chance to own a piece of a private sports team. Now let's catch some words. Great marketing here. Looks like Goldman wrote the article themselves. They're offering only wealthy clients. Ooh, we're interested. We want to be a part of that group. Access to a unique investment. Ah, not for everyone. And then a private sports team. Who wouldn't want to tell their buddies they own a private sports team? No surprise, I don't like it at all. But what is happening right now in wealth management generally, all these firms are looking for differentiators to their product offerings than what is available to everyone. Now, whether that differentiator is actually going to accrue to the benefit of the investor, I think usually not. So they, But you can appreciate why having access to owning a share of a sports team uh, would appeal to someone. Here's why. I don't think you need to buy art as another kind of showcase uh, asset class that I'm seeing pushed. Uh, if this goes through, um, I'm sure it will. This will be another kind of reason folks would do would use to go to a, a, a more complex investment strategy. With most of these deals, what I don't see is rigorous analysis. It feels more like Beanie Baby investment. Beanie Baby investments are, you guys remember Beanie Babies? I forget what year it was. They were really popular. Someone will know. But I feel like it was when I was in high school or middle school. So maybe early 2000s, late 90s, maybe early 2000s. But the whole point of the Beanie Baby was you bought this Beanie Baby, but you knew in two months or four months you'd be able to sell it because it's just a rare Beanie Baby. Well, that's what's happening with sports franchises. Is it's People aren't buying these on earnings multiples. They're not saying, oh, this, this team is so... This much is so profitable, and I'll, I'll buy it for, you know, for every dollar of earnings, I'll pay ten dollars. And that's no, this is like art or Beanie Baby. You hope to buy it today, maybe for the cachet of saying you own a sports team, and then hope it increases in value, which sports teams have done of late. I don't recommend any of these complex investments. I think whatever valuation you're going in, that's going to be tough for you to handicap, and I don't like the transparency either. So it's probable you're going to be paying up. Um, so the article continues you can invest uh, in all sorts of stuff with Goldman um, many of the clients are actually showing that they have interest in this uh, and New York Bank Goldman has been doubling down in wealth management where the revenue is steadier so they're doing anything they can to get people kind of in their zoo and hooked on the peanuts so I like simple investing I like investing where you're in the driver's seat and you don't have to hope your analysis is correct on valuation. I like more transparent, robust markets. So I don't recommend you buy a share of a sports team uh, unless you're really good at that and the valuations are remarkable and you think uh, you know what you're doing. Otherwise, keep the cost low and investing simple and your time horizon long. Clap, clap. And in our final article, higher interest rates 
not just for longer, but maybe forever. So for those listeners that follow the stock market on a day-to-day basis, which I don't recommend, but of course I do, do as I say, not as I do, the stock market today, this is Thursday, we record the broadcast, the Royal We, it has, there's been a pretty precipitous market drop. So why did the market drop? Well, the market, a collection of buyers and sellers, had an agreed upon idea of how long interest rates would stay high. That's what happens in a market. These buyers and sellers come together. They have a general agreement on what prices should be for these financial assets, and interest rates are what really drive a lot of stuff, particularly in the short term, particularly right now. So what happened is Mr. Jerome Powell, our Federal Reserve Chair, on Wednesday, he mentioned that one reason the economy and labor market remain resilient is this word, he calls it the neutral rate. The Fed officials see a rising neutral rate. So this is kind of that historic rate at which the Fed has set rates at long term to keep inflation at bay. So let's so so let's keep this simple. So what happens when interest rates rise, which is what's happened lately? A lot of folks look around and say, well, instead of investing in risk assets like the stock market or real estate, I'll just put money in a money market fund at 5.25% or I'll go further out on that yield curve and actually get a lower rate because the yield curve is inverted, but I'll push out farther. I'll do a 10-year at 4.4 or something. Why am I going to put my money at risk? Well, that's all by design. The Fed wants to cool the economy, cool inflation. Well, why the market dropped, right? Buyers and sellers coming together, agreeing on a price and transaction at that price, is the presumed rate of these interest rate increases. Chairman Powell said something that the market didn't expect. So the market's efficient. I believe it's hyper-efficient, more efficient than we can really appreciate. And yet the market can be surprised. It's not perfectly efficient. So when Chairman Powell comes out and says, we might have a higher neutral rate for longer, what that does, that can spook holders of risk assets, stocks being one of them. So in the last couple of days, stock market's down 3.5%. And what Fed Chair Jerome Powell is doing, he's looking at data, he's looking at information, he's trying to ascertain, well, what is inflation? Do I need to keep this interest rates as high as they have been? And then what he means by neutral is when I do lower them, are they actually going to stay higher? So instead of going back to some 2% rate or even lower, maybe it sticks at 35 or 4 We don't know. Um, officials, officials, think uh, the Fed funds rate will end the year at 2.9%. So in 2026, officials project the economy growing at its long-term rate, this is 2026, of 1.8% unemployment at its long-run natural level of 4% and at its 2% inflation target. These conditions would normally be consistent with interest rates at neutral, and the Fed thinks that the rate will be 2.9%. So all that's to say, I don't want you, listener or investor, to think too much about this. When the market 
drops precipitously like this, it is tempting to have a whole host of fear attendants sit on our shoulder and tell us things like, uh-oh, maybe I should go to cash like my peers. Maybe the Federal Reserve is going to crash this thing and take me down with it. I'll just go to cash because cash is so uh, delightful looking. It's 5.25% for no risk. But with that mindset, I don't think you're going to last very long in the investment game. And it's critical that we keep that time horizon long. So who knows? It could be that the interest rates are higher. I don't know. I don't know. But over the long pole, I don't want to be in the game of moving in and out of cash, moving in and out of treasuries. I will stick with my stocks as the preponderance of my investment assets. And I recommend you do the same. Of course, someone approaching retirement is going to think totally differently than a 38-year-old, if I were, in fact, 38. So do not fret, investor. The market was a little surprised that Chairman Powell's language was a little more dogmatic than they were anticipating. And that's why more sellers into the market than buyers, thus pushing the price of stocks down until there were an equal number of buyers and sellers at that particular price point. That's how markets work. So the market is working. All is well. So stay the course. Uh, keep those whew, keep those investment expenses at zero. You can even go negative if you want. If you really want to read those annual reports at Vanguard ETFs, find out which ones are negative. That'd be a fun treasure hunt for you this week. Avoid fractional ownership pieces in sports franchises and be content with stocks. And as always, keep those costs low, that investing simple, and that time horizon long. Until next time.